I really do have a message that really fits with uh, what we've already, uh, it's already happened to us. And um, Father, thank you for your love. So, so great, Lord. Thank you for pouring out on all of us. I know we all have totally received already. So, Father, we just uh, ask you to come with your presence to anoint. And, Father, we bind all religion and all occult right now in Jesus' name. And we just thank you, Lord, for ears to hear and hearts to perceive your will, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me just get into it here. Any area of our life for which we have no hope is under the influence of a lie. So what today was an expression of joy, but any area in your life where, where there's no hope, then we're under the influence of a lie. Hope is not a wish. I wish this would happen. I wish that would happen. But hope is the joyful anticipation of good. Now, when you're up here dancing, I mean, there was a joyful anticipation for good. So in any area of our life where we don't have a joyful anticipation of good, then we're under the influence of a lie. And we do deliverance ministry, restoring the foundations. And we know that if you're under the influence of a lie, that you have a legal open door for demons to oppress you or to put thoughts into your thought stream. And not only that, you probably have an ancestral open door, too, that contributes to that. And also, you could have hurts that could contribute to that, also to that lie, and, and also demonic oppression as a believer. You could be oppressed because you believe lies. And in 1 Corinthians 10, there, it's a familiar passage for all of us. There's five sins that kept the children of Israel out of the promised land. The same five sins can keep us out of our promised land. But in the Old Testament, um, it, there was a promise of a promised land. And God gave the promise, and he fulfilled it, and the children of Israel came into the promised land. But in the New Testament, there's a promise of living in the kingdom. So not only were we extending joy to Dallas, we're extending the kingdom of God. Because Jesus came bringing his kingdom with him. He brought his power with him. But we're all in process. We're all being conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is very serious about the healing of the body of Christ. And you stepping up into who God created you to be. Hey, Matthew. <laughs> You know, so um, the five sins, which we're not talking about this morning, but I'm just going to briefly mention them. Um, the children of Israel lusted after evil things. Uh, they also had idolatry, sexual immorality, uh, tempting Christ, and complaining. So any of those things sound vaguely familiar in your past, recent past, or distant past, or your immediate present. <clears throat> so repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. But all this, all sin promises to serve you and please you, but all sin does is it enslaves you and dominates you. It takes you further than you want to go, it costs you more than you want to pay, and it keeps you longer than you want to stay. Now, the devil's crazy, and all sin is a form of insanity, but if you touch it, you're, you're marked for death, you're trapped, and um, iniquity will put pressure on us to sin. And then when sin ultimately works out in our life, it brings death. But these five sins, if we were to relate them to the book of Hebrews is where I'm going. And what I'm really talking about today is entering into the kingdom of God and entering into the joy of the Lord. So the, these five sins and all sins could be, could be likened to what it talks about in Hebrews where we're going, which is the sin of unbelief. 
See, most Christians uh, repent enough to get saved, but they don't repent enough to live in the kingdom. We'll repent enough to get the pressure off, but are we going to repent enough and get our minds renewed and be changed from glory to glory and, and be changed the way God wants us to change? Now, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We're all in process. We must repent to see the kingdom of God come into our minds and our thinking. The mind is the gateway for the miraculous, and the word of God, as James Maloney says, is, is, is totally what's connecting us to the miraculous and everything that God is doing. And the Lord Jesus, isn't he good? It reminds me of a song. He didn't die to get me into heaven. He came and died to get heaven into me. He didn't die to get me into heaven. He came and died to get heaven into me. All right, bring the band back up. Let's all. No. Uh, Jesus came bringing his king, kingdom. Sonship began with uh, Jesus and the Father. So to know the love of the Father, that the Father has for the Son, and the love that the Son has for the Father, this is, this is what we're to live in between. Even that song about the Father, you know, we're living, we're living in that. And it's, it's a joyful thing. So to Hebrews here, I've been, I haven't been stuck. I've been blessed in the first four chapters of Hebrews. You know, and Jesus, you know, remember Keith Green? He said, I want to, I need to be more like Jesus. Remember that song? Anybody here? I see a few hands. Okay, okay. He was so great. <laughs> yeah. That'll date you. So he, Hebrews 1, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke to us in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's who being the brightness of his glory and the expression of and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he himself purged our sins sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high wow i mean i mean all the word is so incredible you know and then 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 later it says you are my son today i have begotten you this is the father talking about jesus and I will be a father to him, and he will be my son. <clears throat> In verse 8, he says, But to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. You know, so Jesus was one happy guy. He had joy, and this is what the kingdom is all about, and that's, that's uh, in, in Psalms 45. Your throne, O Lord, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness. You hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. You have to go there and see a whole lot more there because it's a lot. It's so good. It talks about us right in there because if Jesus had it, then we can have it too. Amen? And we got it. We got it. We just got to step into it and, and receive it. 
So sonship is about how we become a word expressed and how we become mature sons in the kingdom. So back to Hebrews here. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. I'm supposed to give examples, so I thought I'd just sing some songs instead. <laughs> then here in your love, here in your love. Okay. First chapter 2. Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast in every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we ne neglect so great a salvation, which, which, the first, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and confirmed to us and those who heard him, God also bearing witness with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. This is living in the kingdom. This is what was exposed to them. This is what is, is being exposed to us. These are other things that we are to enter into. And then talking about man in verse 6, it says, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the work of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet, under your feet. Jesus said, I have to go so I could send another so that he could empower us by his grace to be what he's called us to be. Verse 10, for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. So here Jesus is the captain of our salvation. I love it. I love it. So all these, you can read the first four chapters of of Hebrews for all of this, but I'm just kind of going through very quickly. Verse 14 in chapter 2. Inasmuch as the children have been partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. That's what Jesus did. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. We've, we've been subject to bondage, but no longer so all creation is waiting for mature sons. In Romans 8, it talks about the word son, and there's three, three words there, the infant, the adolescent, and the mature. Jesus was a mature son. Chapter 3, therefore, holy brethren, this is how God sees you, holy brothers and sisters, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider, Consider, turn to your neighbor, consider, say consider. Consider the apostle and the high priest of your confession. He's not just a captain. He is the apostle and the high priest of our confession who was faithful. And then in verse 7, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial, in the wilderness, these were some of the five sins of the children of Israel. They saw my works for 40 years. I was angry with them. And they always go astray in their heart. It's always a heart issue. This unbelief is a heart issue. 
So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Ah. So we don't want an evil heart of unbelief. So we want to do a kingdom work here today, and we want to do it very simply, and we want to turn away from unbelief. We want to, we want to, we want to close the ancestral doors to the sin of unbelief corporately today. So I'm going to lead you in that. I don't want to just teach on this. I want to just experience the joy and the love, but I want to take you someplace here and do, begin to do a kingdom work so that you can begin to live in a greater dimension in, in the kingdom of God. Then it says in verse 15, again, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. It's the dark side, the rebellion. We've all been there. My daughter's been an expert at that, but then again, she got it from my wife and I. Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving, but living in the kingdom really is Thanksgiving. Chapter 4, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So we're talking about entering into God's rest here. This is totally tied to living in the kingdom. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he said. So I swore my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. See, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Sermons don't set you free. Truth sets you free in the knowing of the truth. Today, if you will hear his voice, since therefore there remains a rest of entering into the promise, but they did not mix what they had with faith. So they never got to go, many of them didn't get to go into the promised land. Faith fulfills God-given purposes. Fear fulfills demonic purposes. Faith fulfills God-given purpose. Fear fulfills demonic purposes. So I swore in my wrath, verse 3, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. You know, Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. We were with God. We were a word sent from God also. And these works were finished before the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain way of a place, of certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, he said, they shall not enter my rest. So, so God rested on the seventh day. And you know what that word rested is? was just what we did up here today, celebrating. God celebrated. Now, this is what we call, this is what I call a pre-fall rest, pre-fall. God gave pre-fall dominion to both man and woman. That's another story. But he also entered into what we call a pre-fall rest. Before there was sin, God saw you. He said, hey, this is good. He said, this is very good. And he celebrated you. And so this is the rest that we enter into. We celebrate also. Mm -hmm. So 
what ended at the Old Testament at the cross? Blood sacrifice for sin ended at the cross because Jesus was the sinless Son of God, spotless Lamb of God. What changed at the cross? The Sabbath day became became a Sabbath lifestyle. So we don't we don't we might enter us into a Sabbath rest, but we're not constrained to go to church, you know, because we live in the kingdom. We keep in the Sabbath every day. It's a much much higher. It's a lot more fun. It's a lot more free. It's like real. It's like truth. It's like reality. Truth, reality, the kingdom, grace, empowerment, enabling power of God, this flow of the presence of God in our lives all the time. The kingdom of God's a party, and no one throws a party like God. So why don't we just live like this all the time? I mean, I wish I could dance like I didn't, um, but I saw everybody else dance. I mean, I could, but I ran with Jenna yesterday, and she kicked my butt, so I'm, I'm really sore. And that's no excuse, mind you, but, but I have that joy. I do have that joy. Do not, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would have not afterwards spoken of another day. Therefore remains a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So in ceasing from our works, it's in everything we do in life, we do it from a place of rest. That's living if celebration. That's right. Uh-uh. Sasha, 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 you got it, girl. I'm telling you. So we're entering into God's rest. Okay. So Joshua, Joshua went into the promised land with the children of Israel and then gave them a rest, but it wasn't the rest that God was talking about because God told Joshua, Moses told Joshua, or somebody told Joshua, that um, keep the commandments. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor and, and keep the commandments. Well, keeping the commandments kind of wasn't the rest that God had, even though they entered into the promised land. Now we enter the promised land because we're entering into the kingdom. Remember, Jesus came bringing his kingdom with him and said, repent. Repent because he brought his kingdom, he brought his arm, his strength, his power with him. Repent is, is change the way you think. So we don't have to think the way that we used to th- think and, and we can have God's thoughts and we can, you know, enter into all the miraculous, all the supernatural, all the maturity that he has for us. And so just winding down here, there. Verse 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall through according to the same example. There's another one, of disobedience. We just, you know, there's not that much pleasure in sin, so why be disobedient? Let's just enter into all that God has. Let's take care of business. And then it says, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. There's no creature hidden from his side, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So it is this word of God as we get it hidden in our hearts, get, 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 we fall in love with it, we, it becomes us, and then we just we enter into the full righteousness and all that God has for us. It's sharp. It's powerful. It's more than able to do everything and anything that you could ever want or need or desire, exceedingly abundantly above, beyond what you could ask or think. 
Seeing then, verse 14, I love this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. So consider Jesus, the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Now here it says, hold fast to your confession. Now, we're talking about faith. We're talking about Jesus is the, is the uh, what does it say about Jesus? He's the author and the finisher of our faith. <laughs> you know, this says a lot about Jesus in this book. And just, I'm starting to get it, though. This is pretty good. <clears throat> For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to his throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. So then we're just starting to get into the grace there. As it says here, to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace. Grace is the empowering of God for us to live to live in the kingdom. In, in fact, in fact, grace is the empowering presence of God so we can feel good about ourselves. We are the beloved, and it's a wonderful process living in the kingdom. So in conclusion, I didn't want to just um, leave you not with just that message, but I want to uh, close the door to um, the unbelief stronghold or the curses that could be coming down your family. Now, all curses coming down our family could be is a, is a form of idolatry. Unbelief is a form of idolatry, and it's an evil heart. It gets in our hearts. It was such a big stronghold for me in my life because uh, I, I had such a rational mind. Most guys have a real rational mind. So to always look at the natural was always a bad thing for me, and I can still tend to do that. So I want to lead you in closing the door to the ancestral sins and curses of unbelief. If you want to, you can repeat after me. And... Um, it's founded in the second commandment. It says, God visits the iniquity of the fathers unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So the iniquity is not the same as sin. And what we're going to do today by faith is we're going to identify with the ancestral sins and curses of unbelief. And by faith, we're going to, we're going to project this into the future too. And you can only do this by faith. You can only do this because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Sin only comes out of your life by the way of your mouth. We confess sin out, and we confess righteousness in. So I want to confess some things out. So if you'll bear with me, we'll be done in just five minutes here, and then we want to do some deliverance in the same areas too. So if you would repeat after me, I confess the sins of my ancestors, my parents, and my own sin of unbelief, including doubt, double-mindedness, Fear of being wrong, intellectualism, mind blocking, rationalism, false human reasoning, fatalism, and pessimism. And I don't know if you've ever had any of this stuff, but you don't want it anyways. So we just confessed it. I choose to forgive and release my ancestors, as well as all others who have influenced me. For these sins and curses and the consequences in my life. That's identificational repentance, what you just said there right there. I'm identifying with that, and I choose to forgive them and release them.
You just did it. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for these sins, for yielding to them and to the curses. I receive your forgiveness. By faith, I receive your forgiveness. On the basis of your forgiveness, I choose to forgive myself for entering into these sins. I renounce the sins and curses of unbelief. I break these powers from my life and from the lives of my descendants through the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. And I receive God's freedom from these sins and the resulting curses I receive, so what do you want to receive instead of unbelief, righteousness, gift of faith, joy, boldness, reality, courage, gift of faith, my wife says. Yes, without faith, it's impossible to please God, so I receive it by faith. You're receiving it by faith. Okay, you've closed the doors to the sins and curses of unbelief. Very good, very good. Now I've got I got um, I want to do I want to do some deliverance too. Demons just don't leave because we close doors to the sins of the fathers. They they leave because we renew our mind. They re, they leave because we Jesus died for our hurts and we give him our hurts. They leave because we command them to go in the name of Jesus because of what Jesus did on the cross. He is the high priest and the apostle of your confession. So they're going to leave your life. They may be subtle. They may lay dormant in you, but if you've never closed the door like this before, they have a legal right to come on back. Well, I'm saying come on down and get on out, you know, because we've just closed the door. So I want, you, I want to leave you with, um, before we do deliverance, I want to, I'll do this after we do deliverance here. So demons are um, invisible spiritual entities with minds and wills and emotions of their own. They're in league with and under the control of Satan. They're out to do his bidding. They want to torment the people of God. They don't want you to become mature. They don't want you to come into who God's called you to be. But we have total authority over them as, as, uh, as Jesus has died for that. So we're going to hold fast our confession here. So it's just very simple. Uh, you can repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, name of Jesus. I renounce. And break all agreements with the demonic stronghold of unbelief, including all associated demons of doubt, double-mindedness, fear of being wrong, intellectualism, mind-blocking, rationalism, false human reasoning, fatalism, and pessimism. I take authority over the demonic stronghold of unbelief, and I command this stronghold and all associated demons to leave me now, based on the finished work of Christ on the cross and my authority as a believer. So every demon of unbelief right now, you can just repeat after me, every demon of unbelief Get out. Line up and get out. Doubt, go. Get out. Get out in Jesus' name. Double-mindedness, get out. 
Leave my brothers and sisters. Wrong house, devil. Wrong house, devil. Fear of being wrong. Fear, fear of being wrong, get out. Go in Jesus' name. Intellectualism. No, you're not my friend. Get out. Intellectualism, go. Mind-blocking demons. All mind-blocking demons, get out. Leave us. Get out. In Jesus' name. Rationalism. I don't have to figure everything out. No, thank you, Lord. I have faith. Rationalism, you got to go. False human reasoning, go. Get out. Get out. In Jesus' name. Fatalism. Fear of the future. Wrong house, devil. Fatalism, get out. In Jesus' name, go. Pessimism, go. Pessimistic. He's, we're not talking about you. We're talking about those demons. Get out. Pessimism. Negativity. All the, all the five sins that kept the children of Israel. The murmuring, complaining. Go, go, go. Wrong house, devil. Wrong house, devil. So we close the doors to the ancestral sins and curses. What about what? We said fatalism. <laughs> so... Um, Scripturally, what you did there by confessing that stuff out, you closed the doors to unbelief. We saw the joy. We saw entering into, into the kingdom. We saw an expression of it today. We want to live in the kingdom. We want to live in joy. And there's like five reasons why you need courage. You might want to write this down if you want to. You need courage to face reality. So you don't have, remember, we receive courage instead of unbelief. You need courage to admit your need. Hello? You need courage to change. And you need courage to make decisions, especially for us guys. Courage. courage. And we need courage to hold our convictions. What, what was it the high priest hold our convictions or hold our what? Confession. Hold fast. So grace rules. Grace enables us. Grace empowers us. Thank you all for being so kind. 